Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. Today, we have Peyton Hahn on the show. He is the Senior Internal Audit Manager of Risk Modeling and Data Analytics at Western and Southern Financial Group. I saw Peyton do a webinar with the IIA with his colleague a few months ago and just thought he did a fantastic job of explaining analytics within the internal audit profession as well as showing some of the cool stuff that they had built and really making it easy for for people to understand and so that's where the kind of the idea for the the show came from so that's where the idea for this show came from and so one of the things that we talk about is I just had Peyton walk us through what does an analytics project look like? And so I think there's a lot of folks that maybe don't understand the tech and it's 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 at a high level. It's not super technical at all. Um, but at a high level, walk us through that, you know, SQL database to the tool, to the uh, visualization tool. And what does that look like? So people have some insight into that. And especially if you're working with an analyst or you have one on your team, and it's like, oh, why can we not get this thing done? Or why is it taking so long? It's because there's a lot of steps sometimes uh, that can be involved. So really wanted to get his thoughts there. And I thought it was, it was really great. So also, like I mentioned from the IIA webinar that I saw, they showed some cool stuff. And so I just wanted to ask Peyton, what's the coolest thing that he and his team has built? And so I thought he gave a great answer there, as well as some of the lessons learned from his experience um, in doing data analytics with internal audit that we can all kind of learn from. So here we go. What makes your brain happy? Oh, your brain happy. It's a good question. Um, for me, I feel like it's um, problem solving and trying to like figure things out like from end to end. Like I like starting from scratch to try to build something new as opposed to trying to like uh, iterate on something existing. So like finding a new problem trying to figure out the best solution from scratch and then trying to see it into existence. I feel yeah, like that's, yeah. that's what like gets my brain energized. There are times it's like, well, I'll be working and it's like, you go into the zone where you like look up and three hours went by. Yeah. It's usually those kinds of projects that, 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 that happens for me. So yeah, I think that's what I would qualify as making my brain happy for sure. What song makes your brain happy? Oh my gosh. Okay. I love music. So it's gonna be hard for me to, to settle on one. Let me think on that. I feel like if I'm, uh, depends on the situation. If I'm at work, I usually will throw on like, I'm a nineties child. So I grew up in high school. I was like really into like rock and emo rock that was really popular at the time so i have like a playlist of that with like my chemical romance and lincoln park skillet lincoln park was my favorite band growing up it still is so I'll, I'll go with lincoln park um waiting for the end okay that's usually my one of my jam out songs at my desk so what is your favorite tool and it could be 
maybe a piece of software or even like a productivity tool or something to that effect. Ooh, okay. My, so, so my number one tool for analytics is probably going to be NIME, gotcha. which I'm sure we'll talk a lot about. Absolutely. Um, just because it's so flexible, can solve a lot of problems. For productivity, mine is like, my favorite is a very simple, uh, I have like digital sticky notes. So I keep my to-do list on there. That is like, yeah, that is like really important to make sure I'm staying on track. Pretty much anything I have to do, I throw on there. Um, and it helps me keep my inbox super clear because I do uh, inbox zero or whatever yeah. it's called. Me too. So that's kind of like where things go. That I'm like, I don't want in my inbox, but I also need to do something. So sticky notes, simple, but very effective. Gotcha. And so I'm an inbox zero person too. And one tool that someone introduced me to maybe like two or three months ago, I think it's called Sane, S-A-N-E box. Okay. Um, but it kind of learns how you manage your inbox. And so it'll go, um, Hey Trent, you never open emails from, from this person or this organization. They're going to go in this one folder, like all those emails. Ooh. And so it, it clears out all of the, not only spam, but it also clears out, you know, I'm on, we're all on a hundred different email lists. Right. And I don't like having to see those. I just want to see the stuff that matters. Yep. Um, and I like to look at those emails in batch. So that's, what's nice is it puts them all in all those in a folder and just mm -hmm. like every, and it's not, it never is it anything urgent. So just every couple of days, I'll go to that one box, that one folder flip through might open one or two of them. Sure. Um, and then everything else that's in the inbox is actually important. And there's other features and stuff, but that's like the, the thing that I use the most. Um, and I found it to be really, really helpful. Just like mental clarity, like cleaning mm -hmm. out the, oh, there's all this stuff in my inbox kind of thing. So if you're a inbox zero person, it's pretty good. And so I love that. I thought that was perfect. We were talking earlier and we've talked analytics on the show before, but I wanted to take kind of a deeper dive. And so thinking through, okay, we have a database, we have an analytics tool, we have a visualization tool. Yeah. Um, walk us through maybe a, a recent project or, or maybe a, a favorite project of yours and walk like the listeners through what actually takes place between those technologies. Okay. So um, I'll go with, um, I think I talked about this on my IAA talk a little bit, but we had this, we do AML compliance testing in our company because we're an insurance company. Um, and one component of that that's always been really tricky in the past was testing to make sure that all of our agents are properly trained within the time frame of when they sell a policy. And the reason that's tricky is because it's basically supposed to be like two years from the time you sell a policy. And so that's like a moving target, right? So you can't just look at one agent and say it's this date. It's every time that agent sold a policy where they, you know, trained within that date. So that's been a, that was a tricky one to do without, you know, hardcore, uh, like good analytics tools and good data. Cause you need, you need to know the training data, you need the policy sales data, you need the agent data. And um, without good tools, hard to line all of them up together. So to address this, what we did was um, we started the data. That's like always the foundation. When I think of our tools, it's kind of like a pyramid where like data sets at the bottom an analytic tool like NIME is here and then Tableau or visualizations at the top. Um, so we started with the data. So we looked at, okay, 
do we have access to the data we need? And if we don't, we need to set up a process. So we have a um, dedicated audit database. And okay. so we set up feeds to that database um, to get us basically the sales data and the training data. Um, and in some cases we have a training um, system that has a database that we can connect to. So we just use that without setting up any more processes or anything like that. But then in other cases, we had some training systems because our company has like eight different companies. So we have different training systems. Mm -hmm. So for some way to set up a process to get the data. So we start there um, all on a SQL database. So we're able to access all the data we need. Then we use NIME, which is kind of our automation workflow, um, data massaging manipulation type tool um, next to connect all the different pieces of the puzzle and then work through the steps to line them up. So um, if we have an agent number in this system, does it match the one in this system? Or what's the keys that are going to let me take the training data and the policy data and line them up so I can compare, right? And so that's like what NIME really is doing. It's just kind of connecting all the pieces, putting them together. And then you take it to Tableau next. So you have all the data pieces you need. You have them all connected to each other. And then you can visualize, you know, the policies when they were sold, when the training occurred, whether or not it took place in the time frame that it needed to, um, and kind of see whether it's like a trend of failure rates over time or by company, um, those kinds of things. What's a lesson you learned from that project? Mm. So we learned uh, one lesson the hard way. Um, we tried to do the same thing with a different data source um, because our company had an enterprise kind of data, um, data lake kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and it was relatively new at the time. So we were trying to be like the first people to really use it for this purpose. And it was great because it had all the data there, right? It had the sales data, had the agent data, had the training data all there. Um, so we're like, this is great. Let's throw it together. So we spent a lot of time doing that and it was new. So there were a lot of, it was pretty challenging. And then once we had it, what happened was they basically renamed everything. They moved everything. They reorganized everything and everything we built broke. Like instantly. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like a very painful lesson of like, if you're going to put a lot of time and investment into our, trying to architect something like this to use it in the future, you should have some idea of whether or not you can be sure that that's going to remain consistent. Because if something's that new, it's probably going to change a lot before it sets in stone. Um, so there's obviously things that happen that you can't predict. But that was one that probably, <laughs> looking back, I was like, yeah, I probably should have been able to figure that one out, <laughs> that something was going to change with this really, really new data lake. Um, so that's something we learned. And that's why we switched to this new model of, you know, trying to connect either the source systems that don't change very often or set up processes that we have more control over so that if things are going to change, we are going to know ahead of time. Yeah. So that, I think that, that, that was definitely a lesson learned. Um, so I know you've, you've built some cool things. We kind of mm -hmm. met through the IA webinar that you did. Yeah. Uh, I, I saw it. And thought it was fantastic. You demoed some of the stuff that you've done. And so I thought it was really cool. Oh, um, and so if you want to speak to some of that, you can certainly do that. But I was curious, like, what is the, what you feel like is the coolest thing you've built? And before you answer that, 
because I feel like you're going to say Nime again. For those that don't know, <laughs> it's it's K N I M E, and mm-hmm. so we'll and maybe we'll get into a little bit of Nime also. I'll, I'll let you basically just you can plug Nime. <laughs> yeah. But but before that, um, what what's the coolest thing that you've built? Oh gosh. Okay, the coolest thing I've built is probably the um, sales dashboard that we built a couple of years ago for our sales department. Um, where basically tracks every single policy sale by agent, by office, tracks different risk factors related to that sale. So like, was it close to an incentive, um, like cutoff that an agent might like try to sneak one in there to get right. over the incentive or did they sell a lot to their families or, or were they paying the premiums? Um, so different things like that. Um, so we built this pretty awesome dashboard in Tableau where the um, sales um, executives could go in and kind of monitor all that. And it's refreshes every day. It generates all these different email reports that go out to compliance and um, sales and audit and other departments. So it's one of those things that was great because one sales was using it to kind of drive um, remediation of some of their risks, but it also led down the road to other departments like compliance and others that were like, Hey, this is awesome. We want to see this. We want eyes. We want reports like this. So kind of like, I think it kind of put us into a new level of visibility in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, once this was out there, everyone wanted to kind of see it or want some kind of piece of it. So I was really proud of that. Um, because it got, it was a very, very high visibility. I mean, we demoed, we demoed that dashboard um, when it went live, we demoed that for our CEO and almost everyone in the C-suite. I mean, it was very intense, um, but I was very proud of it. Um, so that's probably the coolest thing. I mean, it's just very, um, you know, we had to build it for the executive level. So it's very simple to use, but very effective. Nice. So I'm very proud of that one. That's the, we, we've talked about it on the show before is that dashboards and analytics are like a fantastic marketing tool for internal audit. Cause even someone will see the dashboard and go, Oh, that's cool. I didn't know we had that. How can I get access to that? Mm-hmm. And I've, I've seen that in organizations where, uh, where we've built something for internal audit and then a, um, another business unit saw it and exactly that they said, Hey, we, we could use that too. Can we get, can we get some of that? <laughs> oh yeah. So it, it's always gratifying when you hear those kinds of things. Yeah. I think, you know, definitely, reporting and visualization, uh, even though it might not be as technical as doing like a, you know, some of the more like machine learning AI type stuff, it's definitely very, um, attractive to, to management. I mean, it really helps them understand things better. So, uh, definitely shouldn't be undervalued for sure. Even if it's not as technical or sexy as some of the other stuff. Yeah. Um, and so you didn't mention Nime, so I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> but like, tell us about Nime because I've mm-hmm. it, it seemed like I didn't hear about that uh, for a long time, and then all of a sudden it's just it seems like more and more people that I'm talking to are moving towards it or at least um, trying it. And so I wanted you to kind of you can you can preach the Nime gospel uh, if you would like. Sure. Um, so I'll say I found out about Nime. Uh, in a Tableau user group that within my company and our um, I think it was our finance team or, or something like that was, was starting to kind of dabble in it. They had a small analytics team and uh, the, the person leading their team kind of 
got me hip to Nime a little bit. So the nice thing about Nime is that the desktop version is free to use. So you can go out and try it and, and just kind of see, um, you know, if you like it or not without really a huge commitment, which is great. The thing that I love about it is so far it's the most effective way that I've seen to connect to like a Microsoft Excel spreadsheet, uh, SQL database, and, you know, some other piece of data and like put them all together into one, one data set. Mm -hmm. That's been a challenge in the past. Uh, I know there are other tools that probably do that. Yeah. So it's great because you put all those different sources into a, uh, a single data set and, um, and you can manipulate it all in one place. So that's a lot better than trying to say, I don't know, if you look up a bunch of stuff into from different Excel sheets into a new Excel sheet and then do a bunch of things in the Excel sheet. I mean, anyone who audits those kinds of spreadsheets know what a pain they are. Uh, I mean, we run into it all the time. So I'm trying to get us away from that, from doing that or like VBA. VBA is great, great place to start. There's nothing wrong with it. But Nime is great because it's more visual. It's point and click to start. So the the learning curve of Nime is a lot smaller, I think. Um, but it grows because it has, you know, it has the machine learning nodes. It has, um, you know, Python integration. So even though as a small learning curve, it can grow to do, you know, things that you just can't do with VBA Excel stuff. So it's a great place to start. And then it also gives you so much room to grow into new capabilities too, which is what a, I love about it. I think that's a good way to put it because it is, it is free. The desktop version is free. Uh, you can start slow. And then as you build up, you don't need other tools really. I mean, there's the visualizations are really pretty horrible. And so yeah. <laughs> I would recommend a power BI or something like that, but yeah, um, you can do pretty much everything in there, including machine learning, which I'm, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. For those that don't know what machine learning is, even if you aren't doing anything with it, could you help us understand what machine learning is? Sure. So yeah, I guess there are probably like lots of different technical uh, definitions of machine learning, but I would, I would just say it this way. I mean, machine learning is essentially, um, you know, using algorithms or different types of methods to analyze your data for trends or to predict future behavior. Um, it can be used to, um, take different actions based on different inputs. So it's kind of a broad topic. I mean, we have started dabbling in it and more what I call like our research and development type of projects. So mm -hmm. things like, um, image recognition. So being able to look at like our old documents or PDFs and kind of evaluate them to look for like, oh, is this box checked or, um, you know, is it meeting these compliance standards, things like that? Are the fields filled out? Um, so like image detection, image recognition, we started dabbling in that it's still pretty early on, I would say, but it's helpful because we do have a lot of situations where we have to go through like our um, documentation system. So we have like certain systems that all they do is they just hold like image images of our policy documents mm -hmm. and, and stuff like that. And so lots of times auditors will have to go there and sit there and scroll through looking for the certain page with a certain check mark. And so if you can teach an, you know, a machine to go in and hit the buttons you need them to hit until they find that image, 
you know, that's what we've been working on a little bit. And we've had some early success with that. It's still um, pretty niche, I would say, but we're getting there. Perfect. Um, so that's, that's where we've started with it. Um, I'm yet, I'm still interested. I haven't yet to see many internal audit um, applications of machine learning yet. It's just because I think, I think it's hard to get internal audit into a spot where our predictions about the future are what management's really interested in, unless we can really prove that we're super accurate, right? Mm -hmm. Because they have, they're interested in like our controls working, you know, what's happening. Um, so it's hard to find the right spot to apply predictive analytics just yet. I'm sure it'll come. I'm just, uh, you know, I haven't quite seen a use case that has um, moved me yet to, to go there. That That's a good way to put it. I, I read these like, articles about the use of machine learning and internal audit and and there's really never like a good use case you know there's never like the thing it seems like but i know there, there's mm -hmm. people working on it we're dabbling in it um ourselves and, and talking to other folks that are more expert in it to to try to figure out what exactly that is going to look like but mm -hmm. um i think what you guys are doing relative to the image recognition as someone that has had to scroll through those document <laughs> retention um, systems like you're talking about, that would be, yeah. I think that'd be fantastic. Um, and you're talking about that being kind of like in your, your R and D mm -hmm. time is where, or where you spent your R and D time in there. And I know you talked last time about doing a, a hackathon of sorts. Was that right? Yeah, we were going to do one. Yeah. Yeah. So can, talk, talk us through that. Cause I think that was an interesting, um, interesting idea. Yeah. So hackathon is, um, well, the way we were going to do it is to give, um, basically my, myself plus my team of three, we're going to kind of lock ourselves in on the conference room for a day, ordering pizza or whatever, and just work on, you know, one pet project, um, that had nothing to do with any of our current assignments, just something that, we thought would be helpful or move something forward in some way that we could, you know, make some progress on or just complete in a day if we just had the time to just head down, work on it and collaborate with each other, helping each other, you know, go over obstacles that we run into in our pet projects. So that was kind of our initial concept. Didn't happen because people ended up being sick with COVID, but you know, what can you do? <laughs> um, so we are going to reschedule it. But another idea that I saw the reason I got this idea is my couple of my friends that are programmers have done hackathons and had really great things to say about it. Um, but the, another way that, that I think we might run it in the future is to have kind of the, the process auditors pitch projects and then have the RMDA team work on, with them on those projects for a day. And that way we can make sure whatever we're working on is actually going to be helpful to the day-to-day -day of the rest of the audit team. Um, so we're kind of going to see how that works, but I like, I think it, the more collaborative you can make it is probably going to add the most value because anyone can sit at their desk and like work on a pet project, mm -hmm. but I think makes a hackathon interesting is the collaboration aspect. So I want to kind of see how we can amp that part up, especially if you're doing it alongside the customer. So in that example, the customer being someone on the internal audit team, and right. being able to go, hey, look, I just did this thing. This is what you wanted, right? And then go, well, no, that, I, yeah, I could see how you thought that's what I meant, but actually I wanted to do this. And they go, okay, sweet, I'll fix it right now. Instead of let's build this whole thing out and then come back and then go, 
this is bad. This is bad. This doesn't work. That's not how I wanted it. That color <laughs> even is wrong, you know, right. something. And so to be able to sit there and do that, um, which, which kind of takes from the, the agile methodology a little bit as far yeah, as. Yeah, I was going to say a very agile type of uh, thought process for sure. Is that, do y'all follow um, an agile methodology or pull concepts from there when you're working on a given project? Uh, yeah, to some degree, I wouldn't say it's like very um, formalized, but I'd say definitely I focus more on like iteration, mm -hmm. like fail fast type of stuff. Um, and yeah, continuous improvement as well as feedback from usually I think we're, we're still working out the best way to partner with the audit team on this um, because we've got a lot of tools for them, but it's hard to get them and figure out the right times to get them involved until we have a product. So mm -hmm. We're trying to work in more of an agile um, thinking on that in terms of let's like have more check-ins to get feedback on on things before we get to the end. Yeah. That way it's not like, you know, we have an output and it's like actually we need to go redo from the beginning again. So we're trying to put more agile stuff in there, um, but it's been kind of a, a learning process for us, I would say. I would say between like the hackathon, your approach with agile, um, really from what I've literally saw you do on a webinar pretty innovative stuff that you guys have going on what is a are there other areas of innovation that that you are maybe proud of that you've implemented processes within the team um things like a hackathon those types of things one one thing i was really proud of that i think was i'm not sure it'd really be considered innovative now mm -hmm. but at the time it felt like a breakthrough in a way we, um, we do um, MAR ITGC testing, which is kind of like SOX testing. We're not a public company, so it's not as intense as all that. Mm -hmm. We do some basic ITGC work. Um, and <clears throat> when I was kind of starting the data analytics uh, function up again, one of the first things we did was um, build a, back then it was an Excel spreadsheet, I think, um, that basically tested like all new user access across all of our applications. And about back then it took like almost a full day. <laughs> like I would hit the button, it'll just run yeah. forever and ever. <laughs> um, so it took a long time, but it did like, you know, hundreds of thousands of, of rows. I mean, it was, it was amazing stuff back then. And now we, we move that to nine just to come back to that. And now it can run in about a minute. I mean, it, it is just way faster. So um, so being able to really, you know, with an easy button, more or less knock out, you know, so much of our testing, um, that, that, that's something that I'm really proud of that, you know, we only are really doing that because I used to do the testing for ITGCs and I wanted it to be easier. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, how can I make my life easier? And that's where I think a lot of, uh, process improvement actually comes from is like, if, if auditors are just sit there and think like, how can I do this in a way that would make it not suck so yeah. much? You know, that's where like all the best ideas come from. That's and so that's why I always meet with our audit team and I go, you know, what, what's the hardest part about this project or, um, you know, what's the thing you wish you didn't have to do anymore? Because those are like, if we can help with those, that everyone's going to be happy. Those are almost word for word. The two questions I ask when it comes to automation is what do you hate doing the most? And what do you spend the most time on? And so yep. somewhere in there where we can automate something, a, a piece of it a lot of times. So uh, I thought it was interesting that you uh, answered it like that. So I know you guys use 
nine, which is not really a traditional audit analytics tool. Although I'm starting to see, like I said, more internal audit departments using that, but yeah. it's, but you haven't mentioned like ACL or some of the ones that are marketed directly to internal audit. So I'm curious about your, your decision there, your approach there. And then once you've selected a tool, the, the resources that you use to get people trained on those tools and, and get their mindset, um, maybe even for those that aren't in analytics. Yeah, no, that's a good question. So my, my perspective on this, because I, I used to use ACL. So I've got, I'm not saying anything bad about ACL or any other tools, not knock on them. My approach or thought on this is if I'm going to spend the time to train my team on how to use tools, different uh, scripting languages, whatever it is, I want it to be something that they'll be able to use in their careers. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think it's reasonable to expect that everyone will always be on the team forever. And, but I want to make sure when they are on the team that they're learning things that are going to help them forever. And so, um, I felt that using NIME, Tableau, more general use tools, these are things that when they, when my team learns them, they'll have those, those, um, experiences, they'll have that capability and they can do that in a more general IT role if they want data scientist role, or maybe audit analytics somewhere else. Um, and they won't be tied down to some specific software um, where if, you know, you go to a company and they're not using it, you kind of lose, I don't want to say you lose all of it, but you know, you lose a good chunk. Right. Whereas like things like Tableau or things like Nime, you know, it may not be those exact tools, but they're so similar to Power BI or Alteryx, you know, other things that people are going to have. Um, so that was just my opinion on it. You know, I just want to make sure um, my team is developing in a way that is, is going to benefit them for the long term. Yeah. And with Nime, you know, if, if you go somewhere and they don't have that, it's not like it's going, there's, well, at least the other desktop version. If you could grab every auditor in the world by the shoulders and just shake them and say, just do this one thing, just do this thing, what would that be? <laughs> okay. Uh, this was very simple, but I think it's so true. It's probably ask more questions. Ask more questions of your auditee, ask more questions of your manager, ask more questions of your data analytics team. If you don't understand like what you're seeing or something. Um, I think there's like, I, I know I get into this sometimes where like I have such a focus on efficiency that I'm like, how can I get everything I need in as few questions or take as little time of my right. auditee as I can. But then you kind of realize, you know, actually, it's just better to ask more questions and make sure you really, really understand it. Um, so you don't have to come back to them later, or you don't come back to them with, you know, incorrect uh, assumptions or outcomes, just because you didn't take the time. I think sometimes auditors, we feel like we're really like, um, uh, what's where I'm looking for, that we're a nuisance to our oddity that we're like taking their time and it's such a bother, but really it's like, you know, as long as you're thinking through and asking good questions, um, I don't feel like you can ever ask enough. So ask more questions. Cause I see a lot of auditors that don't, and it really just drags things out forever and ever, or it leads to like a lot of misunderstandings down the road. I think I would say, especially, uh, new hires. I know when I started, I didn't know what, what's going on. And mm -hmm. I didn't want to ask the dumb question, right. um, 
or feel like I, I was already supposed to know everything. So I wouldn't ask. And then it just, it kind of comes back to bite you because eventually I had to go back and ask the follow-up question anyway. Cause I was like, well, I can't finish this because I don't know the answer. So, yeah. so yeah, I think that's great. I could have used that, that advice, especially coming out of school. Sweet. All right, man. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for letting me on. It's been, uh, it's been a pleasure and I love your podcast. So big fan. Yeah. It's very cool to, to be on it. So thank you. Um, yeah. Anytime if you want to want to chat for podcasts or, or for just to chat, man, I mean, I, I love hearing your ideas about analytics as well. So hope we can do it again. I definitely want to hear more about like the projects and things that you guys are working on. If you enjoyed the podcast, would you please consider leaving a rating on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on right now? It really makes a difference in helping to convince hard to get guests to come on the show. I did it and it only took me 16 seconds to give myself a five-star rating. So it shouldn't take uh, too much longer than that. Thank you very much for listening. Mm -hmm.